Hey, y'all. Welcome to Recharting Your Life with Hope. I'm your host, Hope Cook. I created this podcast to help women who have amazing careers on paper and yet something is missing. You're feeling out of alignment or directionless. Maybe you're no longer motivated or excited about how you spend your days. On top of all that, I'm guessing you feel guilty because you're not more grateful for your job. And maybe you even wonder how you can possibly keep going doing this for another 10, 15, or 20 years when you can barely make it through Wednesday. Let me tell you, I've been there. After 20 years with a rewarding career as a physician assistant, I could not figure out what was wrong with me. I felt pulled in a new direction, but didn't know what that was. A series of books and conversations led me to a life-changing decision to cut way back on my day job and become a life coach. My passion became helping other women figure out what it is they want to do and map out a path to get there. So listen weekly for tips and tools you can use to chart your own journey. Did you know that I send out a newsletter every Sunday? Some of you receive it, but y'all, this is so much fun, and I think it's a really good newsletter. I hear from people, um, I think most people don't read newsletters, they delete them, but I have a lot of people who read mine, and it's not salesy. What I do is kind of tell you what's going on, real life, and then I give you a book recommendation that I am reading in real time. And I also give you like a quote and a little wellness tip. So if you'd like to sign up for the newsletter, email me hope.cook at gmail.com, DM me at Coach Hope Cook, or yeah, find a way to find me. Website, coachhopecook.com. Hey, y'all, today we're talking about people pleasing, something that I have been guilty of for years. But a week ago, this really hit home. And I'm going to tell y'all, how this, I, I just couldn't believe how far I was go. I was willing to go to not disappoint somebody. Okay, here's what happened. Um, I had a new therapy appointment that I had first scheduled back in the summer. So I didn't, this lady's not in town. She's out of town, but I'd researched um, different therapists. I haven't had my own therapist in a while. This was back in the summer. And She'd written a book and she spoke um, a lot about different topics that I was passionate about and she took my insurance. So I was thinking, well, this is going to be great. So I reached out. She said, I'm booked out for months. Um, I could probably get you in at the end of July. So I think I reached out in May. She said, I can get you in at the end of July and you have to do three online assessments. It's going to take you about two hours to do all this. And you have to do pages and pages, probably 12 pages of paperwork. But I was like, all right, I'll do it. She ended up emailing me the day before my July appointment and said she had COVID and I was going to have to reschedule. Her next available was September, the end of September, like last week. So I found another therapist in the meantime, a local lady that I really like. And, but I felt like, oh, I should keep this appointment. I've invested so much time in doing these assessments. And maybe she has like different tools that I could still get therapy with her and then do other therapy with my other therapist. So it was kind of like double dating, but I was thinking, well, at least owe it to her to meet her and to see if we're like, what if we're a match made in heaven? 
So I met with her and from the moment we got on the phone, I had a visceral um, reaction. Like my heart was pounding, not in an excited way, but in a, this doesn't feel right kind of way. Um, she was very confrontational and um, insisted she didn't have one of my papers and we she couldn't go ahead with the therapy. Um, and I promised her I would get her that one sheet of paper she wanted. She was very um, kind of judgmental about marriage therapy and how long I've gone to marriage therapy. So anyway, it was just this reaction where the jarring is the best way I can describe it. I was just surprised and disappointed, but also I still wanted it to work. So she told me, you know, you're going to have to see me every week. She has very strict guidelines every week till the end of the year. You're going to have to do a progress report every week before we meet. If I don't get the progress report, I don't know that you've done your homework and all this stuff. So all that being said, it was not a good fit, but I did not want to disappoint her. And I don't even know this lady. She doesn't live in town. I don't know why I was so, um, so determined to make it work. And the only thing I can think is I just did not want to email her and say that it was a bad fit. And later I had a coaching session and I brought this topic up. I said, I want to understand what's going on. Why is my body so wound up about this? Like a pure stress reaction to this person. And yet I can't seem to say no. And so I got coaching around it and it turns out my brain was trying to convince my body that I had all this time and stuff invested in this and I needed to make it work. But my body was saying, no, no, bad fit, bad fit. So anyway, I emailed the lady. I politely said, this is not going to work out. It's not a good fit. Um, And y'all, I felt so light, so free. So it was such the right decision. And I don't know why I had such a hard time doing it, except people pleasing. So that's what we're talking about today, because I know so many of my clients go through the same thing. Um, they talk about their reasons for being stuck, and sometimes it's about the money. They don't want to give up their lifestyle. They don't want to, the, um, to give up that reliable income and living a certain way, and I get that. But what is more confusing is when they have a reaction like I had, where they are staying in a situation because of fear about how they think other people will perceive them. So one of the questions I ask my clients is, if I didn't care what people thought, I would, and then fill in the blank. And guess what the top answer is for clients I'm talking to about their career? That's right. They say either, if I didn't care what people thought, I would quit my job, or I would talk to my boss about my schedule. Like I would cut back to part-time, or I would cut out the amount of work that's expected of me. But why aren't they doing these things? Like if it's because they care what people think and not even what people actually think. It is what we imagine other people will think and how they'll react. And it's that we can't handle the uncomfortableness of this. But think about this, y'all. We are trading our misery for what belongs to somebody else, what we think they will feel. And we don't even have proof that our predictions will be accurate. 
So this is the definition of people pleasing. And if you throw perfectionism in the mix, which I definitely have a dose of, this is what I call the triple P cocktail. And most of us have been drinking this since childhood, especially those of us who were sensitive or sort of empathic kids. I was always asking people, um, what are you thinking? (laughs) Not in a rude way, just like I would ask my mom, what are you thinking right now? And I would try to guess what they were feeling by the expressions on their faces or their body language. I could tell when my dad was about to erupt. I could tell um, when kids in classrooms that who were in class with me were about to freeze up while they were reading out loud, um, doing flashcards in the fourth grade. I remember like watching th- at least three of the kids who hated doing the flashcards, and I was wondering like why doesn't the teacher see this why is she making these kids do this they're clearly like about to die of anxiety and shame and she's making them do this um i also like one time y'all i was babysitting for this family it must have been every day after school because i would get off the bus at their house so i was not old enough to drive and their kids were horrible. In hindsight, the kids probably had behavior issues. Um, I don't know if it was because they were on the spectrum, but they they definitely had these, um, they were definitely different. And I don't think it was diagnosed or treated or recognized. But anyway, the kids were terrible. And the parents the dad would be so inappropriate. He would drive me home. It was not far, like a mile to my house, but he would drive me home and he would make comments like, you sure are pretty. Are you dating anyone? Like, did I ever say lay off, buddy? No. And this family ended up on Dr. Phil. I kid you not. They were so dysfunctional. I could do an entire episode on this family. But anyway, another time I was in college, and this was before the Me Too movement, but it was right off the pages of of that. And a guy who was engaged was completely inappropriate. He would have gotten fired from his job, possibly even put in jail if I'd come forward with his words and actions. And But you know what I thought? What will everybody think of me? And how can I ruin his reputation and his future? You know, if I if I say everything he said and did, he, his future wife is not going to marry him or she'll get mad at me and think that I was flirting or whatever. Um, so I didn't. I, I didn't say a thing. And years later, he ended up cheating on his wife. They got a divorce. And so, of course, then I felt responsible for that. I felt guilt that he was a scumbag. Um, And this is what people pleasing is. We take other people's things that don't belong to us. The fact that he was a scumbag and that he cheated on his wife had zero to do with me, but I uh, brought that into my body and felt guilt. Um, Another time, like in PA school, you know, I'm a, I'm a, a student at that time and this was again before the Me Too movement, doctors would make some of the lewdest jokes and comments, you know, like one doctor loved seeing how red I would turn when he would make comments to embarrass me. 
you know, if there was a patient in the ER who had testicular pain, of course, there were all these jokes and hope you're going to be the one to go see him. And did I ever, ever, ever say lay off? No, because I was worried about making him mad or that he would be disappointed in me as a student, that he would give me bad grades. I just wanted to, I was so invested in pleasing everybody. Um, even last night, I'll give y'all a story about last night when I did this. Um, my husband did not take my daughter to softball. It's kind of something that I decided I was responsible for, but I didn't want to because I had a team building activity at work with bowling. And so I went bowling, but I only stayed like 20 minutes because I had to take Ollie to softball. But I didn't tell my husband. I did not tell him that, look, I have this thing and it would be much better if you took her. Instead, I guessed what he wanted or what he would have felt. I was thinking, oh, he'll be tired. He'll think it's silly that I want to bowl because I suck at bowling. Um, he'll be annoyed that I didn't tell him about this ahead of time. But did I ask him? Did I say anything? No, I didn't. This this all came about this people-pleasing awareness with this recent episode on Glennon Doyle. So she has a podcast and she interviewed this lady named Dr. Becky. Dr. Becky is a psychologist. She graduated from Columbia and she has three kids and she has really changed the way I parent. So I was listening to this and she had an episode Dr. Becky did on her podcast and it was all about people pleasing. And she talks about like, um, she talks about it in the context of as we as parents need to have boundaries for our kids and be okay with not pleasing everyone. We need to be okay with our kids being ticked off at us. We need to be okay with um, not feeling like we have to give in all the time. And she also says it's really hard to rewire the things that were put in place in childhood. So this people-pleasing was put in place in childhood to protect us from punishment or from you know, people we love not approving of us. It helped us have teachers who loved us. It helped us have peers who wanted to be around us. Because if you're pleasing everybody, bending over backwards, who wouldn't want to be your friend, right? <clears throat> so the most um, interesting thing Dr. Becky said was this tennis court analogy. So she says, imagine that you are on one side of the tennis court and someone else, it could be your boss, your husband, your friends, <clears throat> your in-laws, they're on the other side of the court. And my job is to take care, <clears throat> excuse me, I got a frog in my throat. <clears throat> my job is to take care of my side of the tennis court. Okay, think about that. My job is to take care of me and my feelings. Their side includes how they feel, how they react to whatever I do on my side of the tennis court. <clears throat> but what they do on their side of the tennis court is none of my business. That is so hard for us to hear, those of us who are people pleasers. Um, she says, think about it like you are guessing what they're going to feel. So I'm guessing that somebody's going to be disappointed or mad or whatever. And then it's like I go across the tennis court and I grab their emotions that are their business 
and I pull it into my body. So I take their disappointment, I pull it into my body and turn it into a physical sensation of guilt where I have like chest tightness or a heaviness or whatever. So when you think about it like that, that does not make sense that we do this, but we do. So what can you do about it? What can you do if a, like, let's say a patient or a client shows up half an hour late to their appointment? We already have a full schedule. So the triple P hope, the people pleasing perfectionist hope, I would feel the stress of knowing someone was late and still wanted to be seen. And I would immediately imagine how they feel if I say I won't see them. So I would imagine that they're going to be stressed also. They're going to be angry with me. They're going to be annoyed. So I would feel guilt. I would turn that into guilt and I'd say yes. And then later I would probably feel resentment because patients, I don't know if clients do this too, but they tend to not recognize that you did them a favor, and instead they end up taking up more than their allotted time anyway. So that's basically like me reaching across the tennis court, guessing what the other people what person was feeling, grabbing their emotions, and shoving it into my body as guilt. And then the guilt festers and becomes resentment. Okay, so what can we do about this? If you already know you're a perfectionist, you're like, yep, that's me. What can we do about it? Okay, I'm going to get to that. But first, I want to read through some scenarios. And you just do a little checkbox in your head. Make a mental tally of how many of these apply to you. Okay, number one, I serve on committees or go to meetings even though I dread it and I don't care very much about the overall purpose. This could be PTA, this could be church committees, this could be a community neighborhood thing. Number two, I'm resentful towards friends or family because I've overextended myself. Number three, I feel burned out in my career, but I don't know what I can do about it. Number four, I'm often exhausted and drained at the end of the day. Number five, I'm very perceptive of how others feel towards my actions and words, so I filter everything. Number six, if people really knew what I was thinking, they might think I was a B word. Number seven, the worst thing would be if someone thought I was mean, uncaring, or rude. Number eight, when I think of making a change, the first thing that pops into my head is how others might respond to my actions. (laughs) If you got a four or higher, guess what? You're a people pleaser. And chances are you're avoiding change or you're staying stuck because you fear disappointing others. And maybe as a kid, you were taught how good you were if you looked out for other people. If you put other people first, then you were so sweet and so kind. But if it's keeping you from making positive changes, then this need to please is ruining the short life you have on earth. So... I'm going to talk to you about what to do about it. And this, you're not going to like change completely after this podcast, but if this resonates and you would like help holding you accountable or sort of coaching you through this, 
then reach out. And like I said, I have been there. I still find myself there on occasion, um, but I do do self-coaching, do do (laughs) self-coaching. And I have a coach that I'll see just like I did last week when I had that body reaction that I wasn't sure um, how to interpret. Okay, so here's what I came up with. Number one, don't answer immediately. When somebody asks you to do something, don't answer immediately. The pressure to please will seize us. My husband says, what are you talking about? Like, I I don't feel what you're describing. I have no um, need to make other people happy. But this is something that grabs hold of me. It's like a grasp, a grip. And so I want to be released from that grasp. So I immediately say yes, and I feel a sense of relief. But this is not um, lasting relief because, like I said, it will turn into resentment. So no more. No more of this answering immediately. You have to pause. You have to say, I will get back to you. Number two, if you've been a lifelong pleaser How do you even discern when you're going against yourself and choosing the other person? So you pay attention to how it makes you feel inside. If you feel anything negative like constriction or um, trapped or stuck, that pay attention to that. What you want to feel is free, excited, peaceful. So anything that's in alignment with your true self is going to feel free. Um, This is a true story. My preacher, who I've interviewed, um, asked if I'd be willing to teach this class at church. And luckily, I'd been working on not saying yes immediately. So I told her I would let her know within five days. And I paid attention to how I felt inside. And it was dread. I hate to say that, but it was dread and heaviness. That is a no. Don't try to convince yourself. Your brain will say, but what if this is a good experience? What if you're just nervous? That's what your brain is going to say to try to get your body to comply. Um, Another time, this was pretty recently, I had a patient who admitted that he was, he'd been scammed on the internet and he was already living on social security. He's super um, low income and He got scammed and they took all of his money except like $12. And he was um, talking to the bank about trying to get his money back, but he didn't have enough money for medicine. Um, I know better than to, I'm not going to give a patient money um, because that sends the wrong message and we just can't do that. But I did reach out and call his pharmacy and tried to figure out how much his medicine cost. And this is not a happy ending because they wouldn't let me pay over the phone. But I didn't feel like I was people pleasing in this situation because A, I was going to do it anonymously. And B, um, I felt lighter in my body when I considered doing it. I didn't feel trapped. I didn't feel pressure. I felt um, a sense of peace when I thought about doing it. So pay attention to those two things. So don't answer immediately. Pay attention to how it feels in your body. And number three, pay attention to the script in your head. So that's that voice in your head. We all have it. I'm not crazy. I'm not the only one with a voice. You have a voice in your head that's saying, but, but what if this happens? And this is the part of you that is the people pleaser recognize that it's not who you are as a person. So that's not hope. That is the people-pleasing part of me. 
and she has a voice and it's kind of whiny and it's like, but what are they going to think? And she's all nervous. And um, so you can even name that part of you, but pay attention when you hear that voice, that sort of whiny, like needy voice. She wants everybody to like her and she's really worried about what people think. And once you separate yourself by identifying that voice, that gives you enough space that you can um, you can make a better decision. You can say that is the part of me that wants to please, but it's not who I am. Um, let's see. Did I have any more tips for y'all? I mean, those are the main ones. Just recognize when you're being a people pleaser and then try to put a little space between you and the reaction. Imagine that tennis court analogy that Dr. Becky came up with. Imagine you're on your side of the tennis court. Tell yourself it is safe. It is allowed and safe for you to want what you want. And it's okay for the other person to want what they want. They're allowed. That's their business. What you want is your business and you are allowed to want what you want. And you are also allowed not to base your decision on what you think they're feeling and thinking. All right. That's all I have for y'all today. Let me know if you have any comments or questions. Share this episode if you know somebody who could benefit. Sometimes I'll ask clients for feedback. So I wanted to read two um, two reviews that I got, and maybe this will help give you an idea of whether coaching may be right for you. So the first one is, um, when I met Hope, I was going through a really challenging time in my life. She provided the tools to help me identify and overcome my anxiety and stress. With her help and encouragement, I was able to take back control of my emotions and regain my confidence. The other one says, it was an email, and it says, um, you are so very gifted. Your wisdom, kind words, and direction are, are easy to understand. You helped me figure out what my next step is and live in integrity of what is true for me. So if you've been thinking about life coaching, shoot me an email, hope.cook at gmail.com. You'll get a complimentary session where you can see if it's for you or not. It may not be, but if it is, then we can talk about your path going forward. Thank y'all for listening. It was so much fun talking to you today. All right, if you are ready to make some major changes in your life, if you're at the point where you are sick and tired of feeling stuck and directionless and you really don't know what to do next or where to go, maybe it's time we had a little chat. So I have it set up on my website. You can schedule a free 30-minute discovery call and we'll sit down and decide if we're a good fit. Maybe you'd prefer group coaching. Maybe you need one-on-one coaching or maybe you just want to talk and and say hello. So go on over to my website. It's coachhopecook.com. That's H-O-P-E-C-O-O-K.com and schedule the free discovery call. And I can't wait to talk to you. So See you next week, and hopefully I'll talk to some of you before that.